Welcome back to the Rugby Wisdom Podcast. And it's an absolute pleasure to have worldrugbyshop.com working alongside me on the podcast. If you're a coach, player, parent, and you're looking for rugby equipment, apparel, or team kit, worldrugbyshop.com is the place to visit. I've had the pleasure of working alongside this coach for the last five years, Greg McWilliams. He's got some really interesting views and insights in the game. So let's jump straight into the conversation. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, look, it's it's really wonderful to have you on. We've worked very closely over the first, well, the last four or five years. Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity just to, you've got a really unique um, skill set and experiences that you can draw upon. You've worked at um, school level in Ireland, in Dublin, which is famed for being one of the best around. We've set Michaels and Trinity College. You've worked with the Island women, leading them to historic victories against New Zealand. You've worked at Yale University, USA, and now you're with New York. Um, so yeah, it'd be really cool just to talk around what experiences have you had from each of those, what have led you into the next role and is there any consistencies there as well that's a great question I think as a coach you're always looking to improve and get better I suppose from day to day week to week and I think I've always had an open mind I love talking rugby so I enjoy learning you know from uh, from staff that I've worked with in the past whether you're a rugby coach a manager you know, kit man, they all have something to offer. And I think when you go along the coaching journey, it's about listening and observing and, and learning as much as you can to create each time you're in a, a different environment, one that the players are going to be connected to. So I think the big thing recently during lockdown, I've done a huge amount of work around what I believe is a layer that sits above the technical aspect of rugby, which is the ability to create a really good learning environment. Um, you know, there's times when I was a school teacher, so you get used to being quite prescriptive, you get detail, and you work on your preparation. But nothing beats, you know, having an environment where the players are contributing um, and they're getting the opportunity to, to contribute to the overall plan. So if you take, for example, the Irish women on a Monday or a Tuesday of a test week, you can be a little bit more prescriptive as a coach, but certainly by Thursday, Friday, you're backing off and and the players are able to um, take control. But that is something that didn't happen straight away. That that would have taken a bit of time to the point that when it came to that weekend where we beat New Zealand, we actually said very little for the whole week. We just made sure that they were training for the right amount of meters, that they were really clear on what the plan was. They obviously, did a bit of research and a lot of video in New Zealand. So... I think that would have taken me over to America when, you know, you, you, you turn into Yale and it's a completely different, it's a completely different uh, environment, different needs. And, and that was a real challenge in working with you for five years. I mean, God, we had some fun, um, but it was challenging. No, we, we certainly did. And I always recall a story that you mentioned, like when you've moved over to the US and I, I wasn't in the US at this time working with Yale, but you were you were under the posts at one point thinking, mm. what have I done? Could you could you tell me a little bit more about that? Three weeks in, like I'll never forget my first training session. We 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 had this field in the corner of the club rec area 
that was horrendous. And for whatever reason, the grass was nearly up to my knees. And there were old balls, cotton jerseys. And there was no identity to rugby. And, you know, I came in, I was very positive. I was really looking forward to, to digging the heels in. Philip Lynch, who, who hired me, was very clear that, you know, I knew what to expect. But nothing prepared me for a match against Coast Guard when we had a referee who sat in the middle of the field, didn't move, was wearing a bucket hat, had a big beard and was wearing this big Bermuda uh, shirt and a pair of sandals and was refereeing. Wow. So, so, so what was your mind thinking at that stage? Well, I broke down. I broke down and I rang up uh, my wife, Sarah, and I was like, pack up, we're going home. I was, I was very, I was, I was really clear in my head that, you know, I, I had the tears down in the face, like I made a huge mistake here. And she was like, we ain't going anywhere. We knew it was going to be like this. So just suck it up. And I was like, okay, sir, thank you. And I suppose I drew a line there where I wasn't like moping and giving out. It was more a case of, right, I need to get to work here. So, you know, we, we went on a journey over five years. Thank God we're in a position now where, you know, things are very different and, and you're you're uh, in control of it which is terrific and doing a great job but it's like that starting point I mean I went into the first meeting a week after being at the Women's Rugby World Cup um, and being at the first meeting and eight kids rocked in and two of them were dipping and I was like where's the rest of the team and there wasn't so we had to go straight away you know around the university trying to get you know anybody who's willing to make up and come out and play to make up a squad to play a game at the weekend it was it, but it was brilliant you know we had a group of people at the very start who were so into it terrifically smart people um who were up for the challenge and now obviously you know how many players are in the squad at the moment 44 uh, yeah we've got about 40 on roster now so yeah. um and, that, and that's like thanks it. thanks to the groundwork what what you were you laid in those those early years and like so bringing it back to coaches who are potentially in a similar environment where they're coaching on a Tuesday and Thursday night they're getting dribs and drabs through what what kind of a bit of advice can you give to them to stick with it to to know the good days will come when when everything's looking like it potentially won't you want them to come back that, that's the biggest thing you can do it's like how can I make these players come on a Tuesday night, get to training and want to come back on Thursday because, you know, if, if it wasn't challenging, if it wasn't engaging, particularly with Yale kids who need to be stimulated, you can't bluff, you know, they can see through it straight away. So you need to be pretty clear on, on what you wanted out of the player. And uh, as long as they were getting stimulated earlier, early on, it was, we create as many challenges as we could. There's so much skill work. So, I planned a session, um, so if five people showed up or 25 people showed mm -hmm. up, you know, we'd be pretty consistent to what it was at the start. And that's just, that probably came from experience being through a school system, being through the provincial system where, you know, there's times where you have small numbers, at times you have massive numbers. It's like, right, can you adapt in that moment and be able to provide a really good environment for your players? We spend so much time on skill work, simple catch passing, um, and the very first year, we got together a really good group of guys who ended up qualifying for the national championships for the first time, um, primarily because we got a few footballers join us in the spring who were very good athletes. 
where there's some really good players at Yale. Uh, Joe Murdy was a 10 who played in England, who just wanted, you know, he was a senior uh, when I came in and he just wanted, he'd been waiting for something a little bit different and the ability to be able to contribute more. And, uh, um, but again, like for me, it's like understanding and everybody's different, Craig, right? But to understand the playing group, Mm. To be able to be able to connect with them outside of rugby, so you know, know their families, know what their passions are, so you're able to connect on a level where, you know, it's it's just slightly different to to the norm with sport. But I think there's something that sits above the technical aspect, and it's 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 your ability as a coach to create a learning environment that everybody who's who's in that squad, your staff and your players are all contributing and can all identify with what you stand for as a group. No, that's, um, that's really, you no, know, some really interesting points. And I just kind of want to dig deeper on the, the collaborative or everyone contributing. Um, and that, I found that really, really quite interesting because it sounded like when you first came in, it had to be, it just had to be coach heavy because <laughs> you were one bringing everyone together. But how did that kind of evolve where it was like, right, I'm going to start leaning on what the needs of the players are and what they want to achieve. And is there any thoughts around that? Uh, I think even when I, even when I stopped like the day-to-day activity at Yale, we probably weren't at the point where the players were able to contribute as much as you'd like. It was still a little bit prescriptive. I think now when I look back on, um, you know, your training sessions and, and how the group, particularly during, this lockdown period are contributing, it's very clear that now it's able to get more player heavy because the other, I suppose, foundations have been set and you've added to that. And you have a player group now, I think, that understand the process more. We've got them at a younger age. Um, so if you take Rooney, for example, like everybody else, Rooney so just, is- uh, Just quickly, uh, Rugby sorry. United New York, right? Yeah, Rugby United New York is a is a professional side that plays in the MLR in America. and I'm judged there on results where at Yale, I was never judged on results because what we were doing was something bigger than a win. It was reestablishing a program that was nearly 150 years old. And with Rugby Night New York, if I lose three games in a row, you know, you're under pressure to hold on to your job. But still, you have to trust your process. The way I coach, um, it continuously evolves like the way I'm coaching now and, and my mindset to rugby now is very, very different to the way it was, I'd say even a month ago. And that's primarily because I've got some brilliant people that I lean on and I work with. Um, but Rooney is very player centered. I mean, the players are the ones who are very much running our, our, um, our environment that's guided by the staff. With the United States, for example, um, that's another different environment. So I was director of rugby at Yale while I was working with USA. And I was also the head coach of Rugby United New York while coaching with USA. So you're, you're nearly changing hats going from one side of the week to the other. But you're still connecting with players, whether you're at Yale, Irish women coaching at club side in New York, it, it doesn't matter. Your, your, your first immediate goal is to have a, a real empathy for the players and everything that we do is to make the betters, the, the players better. Um, mm. It's not about us as coaches and, and 
you know so mm. our job isn't necessarily you know to to feel good about ourselves it's making sure that the players feel good that they're they're having a good time um and our job is to create that yeah i like i like how you're you keep referring to like there's a higher a higher being as it were than just the game and i find that fascinating that essentially coaching is a people business right you are yeah. you're interacting with people and it also keeps you relevant because you're interacting with people who are always evolving society is always evolving and one of my biggest learnings i've ever had as a coach is actually away from the x's and o's it's about mm-hmm. the ability to connect with someone but do it genuinely as well and authentically mm-hmm. and, and a lot of our time <laughs> and same same with when you were over here with us in, in where well, you still are but in new haven at yale the, a lot of our day is actually spent having coffees or meeting the players just mm. hearing hearing what they're going talking about and you're not necessarily you probably go in with an agenda to talk about rugby but you actually move away and you're talking about how's their sister doing how's their family doing did you pass that test what's going on and those are the real human connections and i think as this world i truly believe this as this world is getting more and more automated the need for a coach or a mentor or a parent to be engaged on a on a human on a human level i think it's becoming an absolute premium and yeah i just find that really cool how you were really hitting those points it doesn't matter if you're coaching a player who is brand new to the game or you're coaching someone who's trying to be england for usa in a world cup oh totally i like i i think um i think those connections no matter what business you're in are the cornerstone of of whether you will be, I think, success successful or not. Australia played New Zealand uh, at the weekend in you know a really entertaining game, but Scott Wisemantle, who was the attack coach for England, is the new attack coach for Australia. And I reached out to him after the game. I was like, "Mate, look, brilliant performance, very clear, which it is, very clear that he's had a a, a big stamp on what Australia are doing." because he creates that environment that's very energetic that's very challenging that's very detailed and you can see it in how the players play i thought australia's attack was really really effective i thought the speed of the ball was great and that doesn't necessarily come from Sky's Man- scott wisemantle going in and saying hey look this is how we're going to play he goes in there is and says look what do we want to do what do we want to achieve how are we going to achieve it what does it look like does everyone understand what what it looks like Excellent. Okay, let, and then he will create a working week where he challenges the players' skill set and understanding under fatigue. So when it comes to the weekend, you're seeing just a, a, you know a team that's very cohesive, that has very good rhythm, that understands understands positive momentum and how to play it. And and that for me is so interesting about the game, way more interesting than the technical side or the tactical side. It's that it's that understanding, that level of detail and um, and communication that you can have with your players that can just be so powerful. Um, that, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what gets me excited about coaching is, is, is trying to, is trying to get to that point. And finally on this matter, there's an incredible podcast. There was a gentleman called uh, Tim Galloway who wrote a book called the inner game of tennis. And ironically, it's not about tennis and it's fascinating. He was a country club tennis coach. And he'd lost the will to live in terms of coaching. So he was just sitting back on his chair and he was sick of the sound of his own voice. 
So he decided to coach by not speaking. Uh, the player was the one who constantly was telling him what they needed to do. So he just, he just watched. He noticed that the player was improving. So he went from that one eureka moment where he realized that he wasn't really educating the players that he was coaching and he decided to, to change it up. And as a result, he became one of the best known environmental, I suppose, developers in the world of sport and business. So, so, so that's really appealing for me. And if you ever get the chance to, to look at that podcast, it is, it's phenomenal. It really had a big impact in, in how I'm, uh, how I'm viewing myself and, and my role in any environment, whether that's a, at Yale or where that's with the USA Eagles or where that's in Rooney, it doesn't actually matter. There's something that sits above anything else. And that's what I constantly strive for uh, in any environment that we're, that I'm in. That's a really fascinating story about the, about the coach who actually, for the way you look at it, did less, but essentially did more. And it actually reminds me of a podcast that I did with Brian Ashton a couple of weeks ago. And he says he was using the word be courageous in not saying too much because usually it's a filler for us as a coach to make us feel better when actually mm -hmm. the environment doesn't need it. And I could particularly sense even myself, I've really got to be strong with it. When I come out of COVID, I might be coaching for the first time of six, seven, eight months. And I just want to get everything out there because I'm so excited, but actually being courageous enough to step back, watch, and let the kind of uncomfortable silence reign over the environment. Because what you'll probably find is that the team will start to find answers themselves. So even if they don't necessarily find answers, they're communicating, they're collaborating and trying to take away that that, that, that we must feel that coach is, is king or queen or the, or the top person in the environment. Where actually yeah. it's not, it's the player or it's the individual. Uh, really, really fascinating that. Yeah, uh, that, that podcast was called Against the Rules of Michael Lewis, and it's about the coach in your head. It's on Apple, it's on Apple podcast, and it, that, that story merges into another situation with a softball coach. It's a short podcast, but it literally changed so much. So again, it's like when you watch a game of rugby or you listen to a podcast or you watch a demonstration that a coach sends you, Every time I listen or watch anything, I'm always thinking, how is it relevant to me? Mm. So I'm not going to replicate what I see. I'm really clear now what I want to do as a coach, whether that's right or wrong, I'm being true to myself. So I need to build up my power by becoming better at, at anything I can um, so that you know players or coaches who work with me feel that they have a massive role to play, and they do. I mean, my assistant coach, at rugby night in New York, Marty Beale, you know, he he knows at this stage that because he's so technically excellent, you know, and tactically very, very smart, that he knows that he's contributing massively to how we're playing. And, you know, you want that with, with your staff because then they're going to work harder because they feel they're making a big impact. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating world we're in. And look, I'm biased and I'm sure you are as well. Like it's the it's the best job in the world. You're dealing with people and you're all, I feel there's nothing better than trying to get people aligned and, and getting on a journey together. Thank you very it's only, much. It's only, it's only taken six months. 
<laughs> I um, know. Yeah, I had to get past your agent, but uh, we, oh, yeah. we 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 managed to get there now. Um, yeah, so. I, I changed I changed agents uh, halfway through the summer. That was wasn't expected. There's one final thing I will leave you with. I I applied for a job at the IRFU. I was working with the Leinster under 19s um, boys team, coaching at Michaels, and I applied for the Irish under 18s coaching job. And it was probably my biggest learning, and I'm only really understanding it now. And for any young coach, it's a mistake that I made, and I just like to share it. They gave you the five points before the last interview. So I went down from X amount of coaches down to the last five. And our last interview was going into the IRFU office and putting together a presentation on the five questions that were given to us two weeks before the final interview. So I spent my whole time putting together this interview and using terminology and jargon that I'd heard other coaches use, particularly within the IRFU. So I was putting together what I believe to be the best information and the best presentation for me to get hired as the head coach of the under 18s Irish side. I did the interview. I felt it went okay, but I wasn't comfortable because I wasn't speaking from the heart and from my brain, which would have made the conversation flow much better. I was constantly wary about the terms I was using, even terms I didn't understand. And I got a call a couple of days after the interview from a gentleman called Alan Clark, who at the time was a high performance manager, who's just taken over Dallas as their head coach. And he said, Greg, you didn't get the interview or you didn't get the job. And I was disappointed. I said, do you mind me asking you why? And he said, well, look, we wanted to interview Greg McWilliams and we felt we didn't. We just got another person who we've seen come through the door so often. Um, and from that moment really, which is 2009, maybe 2010, the biggest thing I said is I'm always gonna be myself so if I do get a job in a particular environment, I know I can go in there and be myself because they've, you know, they've employed me for who I am. So for any coach out there who's trying to find their path, whatever makes you tick, just back yourself because the, if it's not the right environment you're in at the moment, eventually you'll find that right environment and it'll just make your job so much easier as a coach to be able to be yourself and to, um, and to do all you can to make the team better. So it's the one thing that um, I'm really, really aware of now is I, I have to be myself and I have to be unique. Otherwise, what's the point? And this podcast is called Rugby Wisdom. And I think what a what a way to end there. Thanks for sharing that. That's <laughs> obviously very, very personal, but like such a really valuable tool uh, for us all to, to take on board. So thanks for your time, Greg. Uh, really pleasure to have you have you with me. Craig, always a pleasure. And uh, look, I'll be talking to you the next couple of days, but terrific stuff. Um, thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Cheers.